Welcome to Just Black Talking. I am your host, Dr. Justin Black, and we are going to have a lot of fun today. I am sitting around a table with the sun beaming down in Northwest Washington, D.C. with three amazing gentlemen. Of course, I'm here with uh, a frequent guest and co-host of Just Black Talking, Mr. Mervyn Bourne. How's everybody doing? Pleasure to be here. Pleasure to be talking to you all again. Excellent. And I have two other gentlemen with me. I'm going to introduce the first who I've known now for about a decade. Uh, this guy is super dynamic, wonderful cat that um, has been a major influence in my life, Mr. Mike Davis. Well, thank you very much for the great introduction. But I hope you try not don't try to sleep with me tonight. I might try. To, I might try. <laughs> I might try to get a little bit. I mean, you looking pretty. You looking pretty magical over there. Looking, you know. But yeah, baby, we're gonna oh, we're gonna keep man. it going. So, Mike, uh, introduce yourself to everybody, man. Yeah. So my name is Michael Davis, and I'm sitting here with Mark Dosick. and Mark is the senior agent here at Century Twenty One Fed City Team in beautiful downtown Upshur, Northwest Washington, D.C. And my name is Michael Davis, and I'm the inside sales manager here. And well, we just wanted to have a straightforward conversation with you about real estate. We want to, you know, we really want to talk about leveling the playing field. There's a lot of misconceptions that you see out here on TV. You know, people saying you could get rich overnight and all of that stuff. So I just want to talk about some interesting facets of real estate for the people in, the, in your audience. Okay. And Mark is here. Now, Mark, I don't want you to do that Stevie Wonder shit that Mike's doing with the microphone. <laughs> I, I, want you, I want you to stay on the microphone a little bit. Okay. okay. <laughs> Mark, please, brother. Welcome. Welcome. And please introduce hey guys, yourself. My name is Mark Dosick, oh, as, as Mike said. And I'm glad to see we're going to have fun here today, too, while we talk about real estate. One of the things uh, that we do here at our team is we say that everybody deserves to own a house. And that's been our motto really since the beginning. And, oh, there went my phone. It looks like he's selling. He's selling right now. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, folks. So, you know, ever since the beginning, you know, one of our themes has been everybody should be able to own a house. And what we do to sort of encourage that is we've researched all the grants and gift programs all over town. So a lot of times when folks think they can't afford a house or don't have the money to get into a house, we try to make that happen for them. And to their excitement and amazement, a lot of times we can. That's excellent. So before we get into some of the logistics on that kind of thing, let's talk a little bit about the importance, the relevance of home ownership. Okay. Why own a house? What's the point here? And Mike, you mentioned leveling the playing field uh, a bit. 
what are we talking about? Now, when I think about this, I, I have my own thoughts, but you go ahead and start and tell us a little bit about what's the importance of home ownership. Well, I'm going to I'm going to really take it back and ask another question. Come on, Stevie. Come on. All right. I'm going <laughs> to ask another question. What is McDonald's? When I say McDonald's, Mervin, what do you think about when I say McDonald's? What's McDonald's? I, I think of real estate is what I think of. You do think of real estate. Yeah, I know most people don't, but but I do know that McDonald's n- number one game plan is dominating the real estate market. And a lot of people don't expect that because they think of McDonald's as a restaurant and their and their industry is food. Mm-hmm. But clearly they've been the most successful food franchise in America and probably in the world because of that mindset about dominating real estate. Am I correct that McDonald's doesn't really even own their own buildings, but they in so, fact just own the land. So basically, McDonald's is not a restaurant. It's one of the most powerful real commercial real estate companies in the world. Their goal is to dominate the land all across the globe. And the food is what they like to call a loss leader. So I think that that's very interesting. So you think about the importance of owning land is when we think about a a place that we go to every day, just like McDonald's, they're really not there to sell sell us burgers and fries. They're there to purchase the property and own the land. Now, what does that mean? Now, Mervin is pretty smart now. He he came up with that one off the break. But I have another question for you. Hit me, baby. What if I told you that was that there was a piece of technology in eight out of 10 households in the United States of America that basically told you everything that you needed to know about dominating the game as far as financially? I'd say, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) And a a five-year-old can do it. Come on, lay it on. A five-year-old, Murr. Eight out of 10 households in the United States of America and operated to its full potential could teach you how to dominate. I'd say I don't believe it. And tell me more. Okay. Dr. Black, you have any thoughts on that? I said, what is it? (laughs) (laughs) And and this is kind of another interesting story. So the original question is, is what are the values? of owning property. And these these are some simple questions that we want to ask. I know doing a roundabout way. But there's a piece of technology that was, and this is very, very interesting. It was invented by a woman. It is Women's History Month. It is Women's History Month. This piece of technology was invented by a woman, stolen from this woman, commercialized nows out of eight out of 10 households in the United States of America. What in the hell are you talking about? And this lady's from Prince George's County, Maryland. Right down the road. Okay. Right down the road. She worked for the federal government in Washington, D.C., but like many people, she hated the government. She hated paying taxes. She was a woman in a strange time, so she was discriminated against. So she invented the game of Monopoly. If you want to know what real estate is about, get your family together and play a game of Monopoly. 
Now, in my house, that ends with the board getting flipped over and the whole lot. <laughs> right? That's how we play Monopoly. So, so what, what are we talking about? So what, it's one of my favorite games. Yeah. So in Monopoly, the rules are very simple. You go around the board and you pass go and you collect $200. That's like your work week. I got to get up. I got to come here. Sometimes I come, Mark. You know, not all the time. <laughs> But if I make it to the end of the week, then I get a check. But the goal is, is to buy as much property along the way. If you land on someone else's property, of course, you have to pay. Community chess is bullshit like tickets, taxes, all that shit. Go to jail where you've been drinking um, 1738. Those are just kind of like the minor things that everyone goes through in life, and you have to pay for that. Chance. Shit that happens that, you know, you did unexpected chance, right? But he who owns the property can control the rest of the people, and it's called monopoly. And you can acquire wealth to the point where you don't even have to go across the board anymore. And so that's that's why home ownership is important. So I digress. I'm going to break it down. Five, five ways to get rich in the United States of America. All right, come on. All right, write this down. I need a drum roll on this one. So this is some good information. <laughs> I'm not getting paid for this. Number one, real estate, real estate, real estate, real estate. So pimping and hoeing is not on the list. Well, it, it, <laughs> you'll have a good time. That's a, that's a different kind of <laughs> Okay. All right. I, I mean, you White me- guy has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> he does, but his wife is listening. You'll tell me later. <laughs> we'll take you on a ride around some parts of D.C. <laughs> So, Mike, you're telling us real estate. One, number, that's number one. Number one is real estate. Number two, stocks, bonds, and investments. Mm-hmm. Stock, bonds, and investments. Number three, having the first two properly insured. Okay? Number four, which, if you're African American like I am, inheritance. Okay? And then number five is self-entrepreneurship. But real estate is number one. It is the gift that keeps on giving. Mm -hmm. Since 2018, I don't care if you're in Washington, D.C., San Francisco, Baltimore, Florida, homes have appreciated at 9.2%. Home values are up in Southeast Washington, D.C., in some neighborhoods, 31 and 35 percent. In a year's time. In a year's time. So that means you're making money from owning your own home. And the tax benefits that you receive back and the write-offs are really substantial. That's why real estate is the number one best investment, and then they can't take it away from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, one thing to add, Mike, is that when people retire, I think real estate accounts for like 70% of the average folks' wealth when they retire. This is kind of what I was thinking. We talk about generational wealth and wealth gap 
especially along racial lines. And you look at white wealth versus black wealth in the country, and the numbers are anywhere from eight to 10 times the difference. No, that number is false. Okay, speak. The number is actually 77%. Okay, go on. More wealthier. White men without a high school diploma have more home ownership mm-hmm. than African Americans with college degrees. And a lot of that wealth is predicated, the foundation of that is home ownership. That's how it's moved forward from generation to generation, decade to decade. Exactly. And and that's what we're here to do. That's why we're calling this leveling the playing field. We're talking about straight facts. But see, also what a lot of people don't know is that we have tools. They didn't just give us this shit. We had to fight for it. I think someone got shot. Before, <laughs> you know? before, before you keep going, uh, Mike, Justin, mm-hmm. go, go back to something you just said, because uh, I think it needs to be explained a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, you said predicated. And I think what you're talking about is referring to seed money, the money you need to get your foot in the door. Absolutely. Right. So I think we need to talk a little bit about that so people can understand how if you go back 20, 30, 50, 60, 70 years, how the concept of seed money and generational wealth makes a difference in whether or not somebody in 2021 can buy a home, even if they don't make a whole lot of money, even if they might not even have gone to college. It's still happening. People are still buying houses, right? Absolutely. So so let's link that up. And and, and, and thank you for asking that question. I just get so excited about it. They said the Stevie Wonder thing, but it kind of makes my my eyes light up because we know that they don't want us to have access to money, period, through banking. I mean, that's just the facts. And then you have to have money, like they say in the streets, you have to have money to make money. But what the banks do not advertise and what we're specialists here at, at Century 21 federal city team, I find those grants and loans that people don't know about. For example, if you make under $60,000 in Montgomery County, you can purchase a home in Dr. Black's neighborhood for $154,000. That's how those sons of bitches got <laughs> so what are you talking about, man? Wait, that so, means, so so if I make under sixty grand, right? I, I go to well, work. You got to make over forty. Okay. You got to make over forty thousand dollars. You make under sixty, and you got a family. I can get you a home in Doctor Black's neighborhood for one hundred and fifty-four thousand dollars. You got to explain more about the whatever this. We'll, we'll go into detail yeah, about yeah. it, but that's just one example. Okay. Okay. Here's how they even the playing field. Here's how we level the playing field. And like I said, I don't know if this is an urban myth, but a, a black man named Jarvis Williams got shot over helping change the banking laws. No, I believe it. I believe it. <laughs> no, that's, that's a bad joke. But Obama went to really fought for some of these these regulations. He went to Bank of America. A lot of people don't know that Bank of America now is committed to people who are making below the median income in any county 
get their down payments and closing cost assistance paid for up to $17,000. All you have to do is make under $120,000 a year. They have inclusionary zoning programs. And it does it, and sometimes it goes across political lines. The, the Maryland Mortgage Program is one of the most outstanding programs I've ever seen. If you have $30,000 in student debt, they will pay that off and help you purchase a home. There's another fund that will give you $25,000 in down payment and closing cost assistance. They've got landscaping grants that'll help you build rain gardens and landscape your property. And then you can deduct that off of your water bill now, you know, and it's all income based to level the playing field, and even that disparity in the past. So, so how come th- this isn't widely known stuff? Like, like, how do people find out about this kind of information? It's not widely known because it's not advertised because they're not marketing to us. They're not showing us ways to get it. They're trying to exclude us from the process through systematic non-education or miseducation or not tolerating people at certain incomes. I mean, it's an age-old process. You know, white people's houses appraise 66, uh, 66% higher than, than black people's on the same block. But then black people's tax assets higher than their white counterparts. Can I, can I speak to this mm-hmm. for a minute? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Justin, I think one of, one of the real reasons you don't hear about this very often is that Really, the the real estate people, the folks that are selling homes, they're not really incented to work these programs. These are not the high end commissions. So these are not what people are. And not only are they not the high end commission, but you're working three times as hard to get the grant through. So you got to love this. You got to love helping people to put this through. And I think that's a lot of times, you know, why you don't hear that. But just back. I want to kind of comment on Merv. I love Merv's question. You know, why is this happening? Why is, do we have this generational, um, you know, gap between white Americans and black Americans? You know, one of the things I grew up a white American, uh, didn't have very much money. I, you know, shared a room with my brother and we had one bathroom for, you know, three kids. I didn't have much money, but one thing my father taught him and, you know, we were Jewish American and his father taught him is live under your means Really, that's what you, you know, my dad, I had a paper route when I was 12 years old. My dad said, Mark, I want you to have this paper route. I did too when I was 12. Yeah. Yeah. And and my dad made me put away 50% of, you know, what I made. And he made me put that in the bank. And I was so mad, angry. I was working and I wanted to, you know, but that just taught me, you know, you never spend all the money you have. I don't care if you're making $25,000 a year, you need to put some money away, get in the habit of saving and that money you're putting away that money for yourself. And that's how you're going to better yourself. Now we have these grants available, things like that, where you don't need a lot of money, but you still need money when you're going to go into house and you want money to you know, to furnish the house and to have reserves in case something were to come up and you're you're in a bad situation. So, you know, the idea is get off all this credit and, you know, put some pay yourself first before you pay anyone else and put some money in the bank. And that's how you'll grow and grow your own financial health. I got my 
Stevie wandering past the microphone. Mark's banging on the goddamn table. <laughs> Merv, Merv, Merv's looking out the fucking window here. God damn it. I, this is show research. This is, yeah, this is outrageous. All right, so we're, we're, we're talking about great things, saving money, and it always sounds intimidating, right? It sounds intimidating. Uh, it sounds intimidating to say you got to save a, a dollar of every, you know, of every 10 that you make or something like that. But we really have to find that discipline. We really have to do that. And to do it knowing that that money is for yourself, for your family moving forward, to give you that freedom that you're, that you're desiring down the road. I mean, I think that's really part of the sales pitch. You mentioned something that was really, really struck me. You said you've got to love this work. You've got to love helping people, digging for it, filling out these applications, chasing down these grants, because sometimes the payoff isn't as lucrative as it would be if you could just go sell out in Potomac and sell now, these big now, houses. Now, it's not as complicated. Now, he, you know. <laughs> <laughs> is, he, is he doing too much, Mike? Is he doing too much? No, I mean, he's right, though. You know, what he's saying is it, but it's, you know, it's really the opportunity that's there. He's right. You know, he's 100% right in what he's saying. But the bottom line is that it's there. If they're going to give me $30,000 to pay off your student loans from, uh, from, from where'd you guys go to Morgan? Y'all went to Morgan or something? Morgan State, the one and only. Morgan State. They, if they're going to give you, why would you pay rent at that point? If you could get a home and they pay off your student loans, and it's cheaper than renting. Like, why would you do that? You know, that's that's this kind of, I don't know, out-of-the-box thinking or alternative thinking. I certainly didn't have it at the time. I've seen it subsequently. But, I mean, it's, it's brilliant. Um, I've had colleagues, friends, uh, white friends I would go to school with, graduate school, medical school. Turns out, yeah, mom and dad helped them buy the condo that they were living in to go to school that becomes an asset after school. They kept or they sold. They moved on from. Meanwhile, I was paying even more per month in my rent for my apartment across the street. But it just never. I just was not exposed. I was never. It never dawned on me that that it was a possibility. That it was a possibility it to is own a anything. I mean, it seemed beyond my capacity at that time. Hey, I'm just a student, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that that's a brilliant thing. Another thing to go back on, and I, I think uh, I'm gonna let Mervin talk on this a little bit, but. We talked about the property values, Mike. You talked about them being the, the disparity in those. There was just recently an article that we saw in the in the news about the switcheroo, where a black homeowner had their white friends stand in and pretend to be the homeowner, and all of a sudden their their appraisal value had changed. Merv, what do you know about that? So, so there was an article I read in the Grio, and this conversation we're having right now triggered my memory to it. It's, it's from February the 15th. And the article talks about how a black couple, a man and a woman, got their home appraised and they got back an amount of value that they thought was drastically lower than it should have been. So what they did was they had a white friend of theirs pretend to be the owner of the home and had the appraiser come back out. And according to this article, the value of the home went up. $493,000. Absolutely. And, you know, and that's that's what we're talking about here, man. And sometimes, you know, you have to have frank conversations with people, but you can't tell them, you you know, when you're talking to your client, you got to be very careful about how you utilize your words. So you suggest that they take in anything out of the property that make it a blank slate, period. And and I was told that 
you know, going back to my 20s when we bought our first home, when we're, when you're selling your home, remove your family photos, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And of course, it, it wasn't explained why that was, but being educated black people in America, we knew why that was. I mean, you can't, you know, it's it's an assumption, you know, but if you think a white man comes in there, he brings his family in there, you got to pick a poster, a life-size statue of Shaka Zulu in there. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> Or even, you know, you come in there and then you got a, a elephant, right? you know, or whatever it is. I'm not, you know, you might yeah. have to edit this out, right? But you know what I'm yeah. saying? We don't, we don't edit. <laughs> you, know, you got a joint waving, the, you know, elephant and teacups and... You right, know, right. people, people. I'm keeping just, my you know. wooden spoon on the wall, Mike. This, I mean, this is bullshit. You want me to change up? I'm keeping it on the wall, and I got my my mural with Martin Luther King and Obama and Jesus, all that shit. Um, but but I, I think I think the the more important point of that article, as it relates to the conversation we're having, is that there's a lack of education just about real estate in general, how it works what determines home values and the things that can impact that. And, you know, the work that you all are doing here, I think is great because it opens up a a window to a world in terms of real estate that most people don't even know exists. And it just really underscores the need for increased general education about real estate, period, whether you're talking about people that are uneducated or people that are formally educated. I mean, there are a lot of people that have formal educations in terms of bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, even doctorate degrees that if they weren't exposed by family or or parents, you know, nine times out of 10, they're still very ignorant in this specific behemoth that we call real estate. Well, let's take a minute because I like to hear that jingle that I got for Just Black Talk. And let's take a break here and then we're going to come back. We'll talk a little bit more about educating ourselves. And you mentioned Morgan State. I think that's a good place to go next on Just Black Talking. So let's pick back up where we were talking about real estate, the impact of ownership, whether it's home ownership or other property. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's just pick up here. 2008, we had a big crash, okay? It destroyed everything. Um, Bear Stearns goes out of business. And maybe I'm out of sorts. Maybe I'm uh, um, an outlier in the way I interpret this. But there's a narrative out there that, you know, the crash happened because people were taking out mortgages on homes they couldn't afford. And it gives the impression that people were reckless or trying to be opportunist and taking advantage of things. And I don't like that narrative. One, I take that narrative personally because I think that people is suggestive that this was somehow a brown person's problem or fault. And the notion that they can take out a mortgage, like I can just go in and say, I want a mortgage for a million dollar house and now it's mine. That's not how this works. Instead of it being people taking out mortgages on homes they can't afford, it was more, I think, Predators giving out mortgages to people that that were unsound, that weren't properly vetted. And it became this entire grift involving everyone from the banks 
to the appraisers. Uh, you know, everyone was, was getting a bite of the apple here and the whole thing fell apart. But Mark, you were involved in 2008 in this industry and in this business. What's some of your impressions about what was going on in 2008 as it relates? And, and I'm asking specifically from the perspective of minorities and minority home ownership. Yeah, so Justin, I was intimately involved in some of the things that were going on because I was fairly new to residential real estate then, and I had done a couple of short sales in 2007 and six when this stuff, when the the values started dropping. So I was in a in a class, a real estate class, where I was speaking as much as the teacher was. Another uh, an African agent came to me afterwards. He says, Mark you seem to know a lot about the short sales. I have some business for you. And he invited me to his home. So I pull up to his home in Bowie and he has cameras everywhere. I was like, I went to the Godfather's house. I mean, this guy was like, where the hell is this place? I'm scared. Here I am, this little white guy, you know, and he got all these thugs hanging around. So um, I walk in and he says, I'm going to give you, you know, 20 listings. And he gave me all these. He starts signing for these people and all this stuff. And I said, wait a minute, you can't sign for all these people. I need to meet these people. I can't work with them. He says, you got to get these people out. So I find out I go to meet all these people. And mostly these people were either Africans, newly to the country from Ghana, Nigeria, or Spanish uh, folks. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, people that were kind of sold the American dream. They were sold the American dream, you know, in their church. Most of these guys met this person in the church. And what he did was he told them, I'm going to help you, you know, buy all these houses. And he was in bed with an appraiser or the lender. Mm -hmm. He would jack up the price with the appraiser, create a phony corporation, put it on the settlement sheet. And boom, they would take like 50, 40, 30, whatever the, the upswing was on the appraisal. And then what happened was he told the folks that he was going to pay the difference in what they were receiving, you know, in rent and their mortgage uh, expense. And he never did. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so I had people that were were crying and very, very upset that I had to um, sort of walk through that that process. But it was my impression that these people just didn't understand. And, you know, these these folks just preyed on them. Yeah. And it make, it makes them set up for, to, to be victimized. You know, you're new. You're, you're trying to buy into the American dream. Really distasteful that he's using church and, and, the, and the, the trust and, and sanctity of that environment to, to get to these people. But again, we're talking about taking advantage of minorities. Well, well, here's the other shoe on that. You know, the banks are complicit because they're giving no document loans. Yeah, right. Right. Speak, speak a little bit and more about they, that. They, they're giving you a loan. They don't even need to see your paycheck. Mm-hmm. You're good enough. You just tell them yeah. what, you, what you want. Oh, you want something? We got it for you. Yeah. So yeah. just interject, Justin. So I had nurses making $60,000, $70,000 a year that owned four houses <laughs> because of this. And I had security guards mm-hmm. and just people with, you know, these were people that were middle class. Honest working people. Honest working but, folks. Know, have no business with four homes. Yeah. Uh, Who just thought, oh, great. You know, it's, you and know. it became a thing. I remember around that time and, and, and it became conversation point to talk about just how well you were doing and, and how, you know, oh, I'm so brilliant and I'm so, you know, and then the whole thing comes crashing down and, and it's really, it was really, really unfortunate. And I don't, I don't know the numbers, but my impression was that this disproportionately hurt minorities. Now, as far as homeowners go, we know that home ownership numbers are, are vastly greater amongst white Americans, right? I mean, we're talking about 70 plus percent of white 
home ownership versus, you know, less than 10% for, for black home ownership nationwide. But it just really seemed to be a disproportionate predatory thing in minority communities. And it's really it, it really did. And even the folks that owned homes got hurt by this. Like, for instance, this happened. Prince George's County may have been the most uh, affected county, if not number one in the top three in the entire nation. It really was. It was it was written up widely yeah. in the national newspapers that that the housing uh, crash Prince George's County, Maryland, which is historically the wealthiest black population in the country, but that it was one of the worst hit in the housing market. Right. And I was doing these short sales almost exclusively in Prince George's County in Bowie and Upper Marlboro where these new developments occur. So what that did was it deflated the value of all the other folks that live in Prince George's County and hurt the black community. Mm-hmm. Just real quick, yeah. for anybody who may not know, just uh, 10 seconds, what's a short sale? So a short sale is sort of pre-foreclosure. It means that you owe more money on the house than the money is worth. So if you, and then the house is worth. So if you bought the house for 600 and the value went down to 500, well, how are you going to get out of the house? You have to, you have to ask the bank for forgiveness and the bank's going to eat the, the remainder of what's owed. Yeah. And so well, just well, here, to- here's the tentacle of the beast. So when they, he said tentacle of the beast, the tentacle of the beast, they give a no, no, that they don't verify the paperwork. They give them a loan. Everybody makes money on that. The agent makes money on it. The loan officers make money on it. Then they sell that loan to the secondary market and they make money on it. But then when it defaults, they make their money back because everything is insured. So the tentacle of the beast. Rotten mother. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I think um, many of us were around that time. I, 2005, I mean, that's kind of, we were right around the peak of everything. I, I moved from this area to Chicago. I sold my house here in Annapolis in a matter of hours over the asking price. Okay. I mean, you know, everybody's eating good, right? Everybody's feeling good about this. I buy a house in in Chicago, well, outside of Chicago. I'm, I'm already hearing my boy Mike's. <laughs> I saw him you know, scowling you, at Man, you. you wasn't in Chicago. All right, so <laughs> I bought a house outside of Chicago, and uh, we bought that, and it, was, it, it seemed affordable and everything at the time. And then everything crashed soon after, and it f- found out we bought that house at peak market value, and immediately that house was underwater. Okay. Immediately the resale value of that house was way less than what we paid for it. And only now, this was 2005 or so, right? So I think just now, the, within the last year or so, has it been paid down enough that it's now near even? I was able to, to withstand that and survive that. And, but how many people got caught at that peak market value? Even now, we're at a dangerous game in this area. And you guys can speak more about what the values are doing right now. But my understanding is right now, when you come into this region and you try to buy a house, you know, that's starting at a price. That's the starting negotiating point, And it goes from there up. Right. These numbers are not coming down. So we're, we're also flirting again with this thing where these values are, are just still escalating and climbing and climbing. And, you know, hopefully we've learned some lessons from 2008 that we don't have to repeat. But what is the current? market right now? What's the climate out there with values and all going on? Yeah, the market is, as you may know, is very, very low inventory. So I think partly because of COVID, 
you know, people said, well, wait a minute, I don't want folks in my house taking a look. I'm going to wait to come on the market. And at the same time, rates were reduced down below three, historically low rates. We've been saying this almost every year for the last five years. They just keep coming down and keep coming down. What's happening is, uh, especially in areas like Prince George's County, probably, for instance, we just sold a house in Bowie. We or went under contract on a house. We represented the buyer and there was 11 offers. So you're competing, you know, against other folks almost every time and the values are, are going up. And And I just want to interject. So. The interest rates were at the lowest they had ever been in human history. Then considering that this is a highly technical area, Washington, D.C., the DMV, you are insulated by the federal government. We have one of the largest federal workforces in the area, one of the most sustainable incomes in in the country. And like Mark said, the the interest rates were low, but now the interest rates are, are going back up. You know what I mean? Is that going to help or hurt? Is that going to is that going to bring the values and stabilize them and stop them from rising? I, I don't. You know, Mark has his opinion. He's more knowledgeable than I am. His knowledge far supersedes mine. But for what is this? Because he's Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good. It's point in the blood. Yeah. Money, money, and Jews. It's in the blood. You can't escape some genetics. That's why I'm with them, man. <laughs> So, but yeah, I mean, those the rates have been, you know, painfully house, low the for houses so long. Are, the houses are going to go up, and that's good for if you own a house because your house is appreciating. Mm-hmm. You know, that makes it the safest investment for you. So if you took $1,000 and you put it in that Navy Federal Credit Union mm-hmm. and didn't touch it for a year, at the end of the year, you get $1,000 and 75 cents. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you took a thousand dollars and you put it into the stock market and you didn't touch it, and if you were a statue, you would get a thousand and ten dollars. Okay, but if you bought a home in Deanwood and you had a thousand dollars in Deanwood, then you're already up to twelve hundred to pass upwards of twelve to thirteen hundred dollars. That's really the value of, of the buying the property in this in this environment. There's really three benefits, you know, from buying your own own property. You know, in America, and we're unlike any other country, the government incents you, incentivizes you to buy a home. Because what happens is when you buy a home, the economy kickstarts. So you you also go to Home Depot, you fix up your home, you go buy furniture, you do all kinds of things that uh, push the economy. So because of that, you get a tax deduction. What is a tax deduction? What does that look like? So let's say you make $80,000 a year and you paid $20,000 in interest on your home in one year. That's likely because interest is front-loaded. So almost all the money you're paying is interest that first year. So what happens is you're now going to get taxed on $60,000 income, not $80,000. That's what a deduction means. So the other thing is you're paying down equity, albeit it's very, very slow. And the other thing is you hope it appreciates. And usually it does over time, not always, but over time. Oh, over time, I think real estate's been the only sound bet 
throughout history, throughout civilizations, from nation to nation, right? It's been real estate. And uh, for the most part, most people you know who, who've had wealth accumulated have done so with real estate being a, a, a very large portion of, of their their portfolio. Well, let me, let me push back on that some. So especially since we just came off the heels of talking about 2008, there's a narrative post-2008 that buying a home is actually not a smart thing to do because you could lose everything, right? As many people did lose everything. And that uh, you'd be better off putting your money elsewhere. Um, But if if you do deal with real estate, it should be only from the perspective of as an investor, not, not, not for your primary residence. What do you all have to say about that? Let me push back against that. And let me talk about your place, Morgan State. That is a, that's an outstanding question. So we're talking about your college, Morgan, has one of the highest freshman enrollments increase, but there's no homes for sale in that area. There's not one. So I, I really strongly push back on it because you have to live somewhere. And typically you're paying three times more to rent a place than you are to own it. With no value. Over a lifetime. Over a lifetime. With no return on your value. Say that again. You're paying three to four times as much as in rent, over in rent, than it takes you to own your own home. Buying real estate is a long-term hold, okay? I don't, I'm not a proponent of you running out buying real estate when you think you might move in a year. Because if you move in a year, you likely are not going to make any money or even be even, you know, break even on your sale uh, if you sell your house. Because there are expenses that come along with selling a house. And also, we don't know if, for instance, we could be in 2007 and then the next year could look like 2008. So the key to this is to move somewhere, you know, buy real estate that you are going to occupy when you're stable, when you're fairly stable and you say, hey, I'm going to be here. I like my job. I like this area. My family's here. I'm going to be here at least three to five years. That's when you can pretty much ride out some of these, you know, years that may go down and your expenses that you pay. You want to do this, but you want to do this with money in the bank and stability. Addressing what Mervin brought up a bit earlier about this notion that, you know, home ownership right now is too risky of a move. What do you, what do you say about that? I mean, uh, buy and hold for a few years will kind of mitigate any of those problems or, or what do you guys think about that in terms of, of this, you know, new shell shock? It, it sounds like the key is that home ownership, especially when it comes to your primary residence should not be a, a short term gain. And so I just want to highlight that for people because when you hear other folks saying, Never buy real estate. It's a big gamble. It's stupid to own, you know, your own home. You should buy investment property instead. It's really a a case specific situation. And it really depends on, like you said, how stable you are and how long you plan to stay. Because if you are going to be there in the long term, you can ride out some of these dips in the economy and things like that. (laughs) 
uh, the name of what's the name of the, you guys? A Century Twenty One. Century Twenty One. We're we're the Fed City team. Okay. Of Century Twenty One Redwood Realty. Sorry, that's, that's a, a mouthful. That's a fucking lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a team within. That's the franchise for Century Twenty One. Okay, so we're yeah. the largest real estate company in the world. Century Twenty One. You are. Okay. You can okay. just tell them Fed City team Century Twenty One. You familiar with Grant Cardone on the floor? Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. I, know I, was throwing those I don't know him, but I know who he is. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, what I found is I've heard a lot of really wealthy people decrying owning your home, but I think that's, that's something that it's very specific to being wealthy, super rich. Because yeah. when you're yeah. super rich, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you do something where you want to like be able to fly around and hop around and live in New York and then live in L.A then you don't want to be tied down. But it matters differently to you then because you already have money. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if that's exactly right. Most of those people, even the super wealthy, Mm -hmm. almost 99.9% of the super wealthy own their own homes. They just own multiple homes. So, I mean, there are people... Don't a lot of them have their homes in their business name, though? Uh, but you always you have one in your name because also it's cheap money. You borrow three percent. It's like you can wealthy people. I do this. I'm borrowing money against my house so I can have other investments. Mm-hmm. That money costs me net of like what because of the tax deduction one and a half percent. So I'm going to take that money out. So wealthy people do that. So I think the whole thing what you're talking about mm-hmm. is more just scared because we we came off. We remember 2008. Yeah. But it's no different than any other cycle. The 80s were went crazy in the right. 90s it dropped mm-hmm. so you just it's just a long term you just have to be ready to buy a house and it's more of a long term hold but they really definitely to write it out. it's the you see this whole thing should be predicated and I love to actually teach this class on financial health like mm-hmm. in the, especially the black community we don't have it in the white community either none of the schools are teaching your personal finance right. because the first thing is you pay yourself you get reserves then you buy a home mm-hmm. there's like an order to all this stuff that makes sense that most of our white families we learn from our parents yeah. you know and our uncles yeah, yeah. I, I think that's yeah. all valuable I mean what we're trying to do here is increase the literacy amongst our community about economic development and growth. I mean, from everything from talking about home ownership to talking about how do you get loans to interest rates to life insurance to all of these things. These are things that historically have not been discussed in our community. They are relevant to development and accumulation of generational wealth. And, and, it, and it's valuable to have the discussions. So I think that's part of what all of this is about. And, you know, tossing out ideas about, you know, should you own, should you not? But for too long, we as a community have not owned to our detriment, to our to our wealth accumulative uh, or accumulation detriment. You know, so I think, like you said, those classes you're talking about, these concepts that we're talking about, the the concept that you can borrow against your home and use that money for other investments or college or you know tuitions for your kids or whatever the case is, these are things that everyone's not aware of. They don't know that these are the options that simply owning a home opens up for you. Right. So owning a home is really one of the first things, you know, after you've after you feel like you, you, you've got some financial health, you've got money in the bank, you're, you're stable with your job, you feel like you're going to stay in the area for a little bit, then you really you want to own the home because you're going to see, you know, most people see, you know, that nine percent appreciation. You own the home for 10 years. It could double my home. I bought it in 1998 for 330,000. It's now worth 825. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it's been a long time. And, and there's times when it was down, times when it was up. But uh, I, we almost paid off our home. Now I got a line of credit because I'm doing other investments. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, that comes later. And so, no, Mark, you're not, you're not a slouch here, right? You're, you're not the, the bottom percent of 
uh, realtors in the in the country here. You, you, you fall in the top. Is it the top one percent? I believe so. I don't like to. I like to work with regular folks. You know, folks that want to help themselves. So yeah. you know. So look, just again, let's identify. You're part of Century Twenty One, but you're you're part of the Fed the Fed team. Is that right? Right. So we're we're part of Century Twenty One. We're we're Redwood Realty is our franchise. We're a big big company. And I have a team here called the Fed City team, uh, where I'm sort of the team leader of about 20 agents. So, um, you know, I have a focus and I'm enjoying helping other agents reach their goals and would love to help anybody who, who wants to make their life better. Well, what about a website or a contact site for you guys? What's what's the way that, uh, you know, people are out and about can reach you guys? www.callthefeds.com. Dot com. Get out of here. Are you serious? Right. We're Fed City. So <laughs> we're Fed City. So it's just a play on us. <laughs> Wait a second here. We're you not taking sell, you to jail. Yeah, you want to sell taking... to the black community and you got them calling the feds? This is bullshit. I ain't calling that number. There's no the chance good I'm feds, calling that. It's like a good witch and a bad witch. Yeah. We're the good witch. Yeah, it's w- something. W- sounds like the feds. You got to be kidding me. Now, you do remember it. Are you a realtor or a realtist? Who? You. I'm a realist. <laughs> okay. I asked because this is something that, that that's a real thing. Realtor. Realtor is is a brand, right? And it's it's like Xerox or or Frigidaire. Um, uh, no, not exactly. Justin, so real, real, realtor means that you're part of the National Association of Realtors mm-hmm. and that you have ethics. That's the biggest thing it means. We have ethics. And we're regulated and, um, you know, we are watched carefully so that we help the public and not the other way around. Okay. And now, we're part of a community. So that's why it's the National Association of Realtors. Understood. So there's a National Association of Realtors, and that's what we call them as realtors. However, other people can sell homes and they're not a member of that association. And the reason I bring it up and the way that I bring it up is because for a long time, black folks were prohibited from being a part of that association. And those people selling homes were known as realtists. Not real tours. And so, you know, this was this actually came up very subtly in Lovecraft Country. They mentioned it, uh, which was a you know, big hit uh, on HBO recently. And they they walked around and it was, you know, in the 50s and they were you would go in and it was on the sign. It was a realtist. They said the realtist sold me this home. So just spitting out a little bit of historical knowledge for everybody about the National that, Association of Realtors. So was that was that that was a negative connotation? It was sort of like a code. I don't understand. Uh, not necessarily a code. It was just another thing. Realtor. Like you said, it was an association that uh, bestowed legitimacy and ethics and all in, into the profession, but black folks weren't avail- uh, oh, weren't allowed to be so a part segregated. of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's America. Um, <laughs> it is America. So, okay. So, uh, the, again, the call the feds number is what? 202-543-7283. All right. com. I love it. Okay, guys. Now, look, this isn't the only game you guys run, is it? Well, Mr. Dosick has a delicious burger business. Mm, talk about mm, burgers. Talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, he I, has a uh, former Food Network celebrity chef. His name is Chef Alex McCoy. He was on Food Network season 13. This guy is kind of like, he's from the area. He's a local guy. I think he's from Rockville. Bethesda. Bethesda. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, and he makes these delicious burgers. Everything is fresh. They use three three different kinds of meats, patties, uh, house-made sesame buns. 
fancy top, and it's just mouth-watering delicious. What's the place called? What are we talking about? Lucky Buns. Where's Lucky Buns? Wait a minute. It's a, it sounds like a strip club. They can stop. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a strip club. It's, not a, it's not a gay bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start to give them your address to your house, Lucky Buns. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Lucky Buns is 2018th Street Northwest, right in Adams Morgan. That sounds great, man. What's this? Three meats? What are we talking about? What are we doing? So basically he does a mixture of sirloin, ground beef, and brisket. Then he hard presses it and shapes it a certain way. And it has this like sweet, salty, delicious, just just awesome. Like butter, right, like mm. butter baby. Come on, Merv. Get, do the but, thing um, you do. We, Is it halal? So we wanna we, we so, wanna thank so. we wanna thank everybody for listening today. So on behalf of uh Mark Dosick and WW.call the Feds, if you register to just Black Talking or Merv or support any of those websites. We're going to pick one of the people who registers. We register at our website as well. We'll do a lottery and we're going to give a $50 gift certificate to Lucky Buns. Lucky Buns. And, luck, and at Lucky Buns, all our meat is halal. So we have a good bit of uh, Muslim customers that come also. It's a very diverse group. You guys on Instagram at all? Twitter, anything we are. like that? Yeah, Lucky Buns. You know, it's it's pretty pretty basic. Like, if you just want to look them up, go to Google, type in Lucky Buns. It'll send you directly Lucky Buns DC. Just like us, we're www.callthefeds.com. You can go to our website. It'll talk a little bit more about the grants and the loan programs. But if anyone wants to talk to me about it more in depth, my personal cell phone number is 240 701 zero five two nine two four zero seven zero one zero five two nine and i think yeah that's about it but we have that that gift certificate we want to thank you guys you guys very knowledgeable you know i appreciate the opportunity to speak on your show and mark what did you think you enjoyed it yeah i really did it was a lot of fun and i actually learned a lot so i appreciate you bringing me in here and thank you all for coming back again to Just Black Talking and tuning in with us today. We really appreciate it. We hope you all learned like we learned and had a good time like we had a great time. Again, I'm Mervin Bourne. I can be found at MervinBourne.com, M-E-R-V-I-N-B-O-U-R-N-E.com. I'm an author. I'm an attorney. I'm the author of A Single Mother's Guide to Raising a Son. And second book will be coming out this year, which will be focused on men and something really, really special. Stay tuned for it. And I look forward to talking to you again soon. Excellent. That's wonderful. I was just getting ready to say, Merv, tell the people what you got going on. <laughs> yeah, so it's excellent. Look, man, this is fantastic. Uh, this is what we're trying to do here is, is, is expose Folks, to what we're what's going on in our communities, uh, what we're thinking about, and what we're trying to achieve. Mike, Mark, Mervin, thank you guys. This was wonderful, and we'll get back together soon. This is just Black talking. Next time.